From Innovate Mississippi, this is Origins of Innovation. Raw, honest conversations with the founders on the then and now of their Mississippi-based startups. I'm Bo York, and on today's show, me. That's right, Amy Stanford sits in as host to learn how the founder of Mississippi's premier podcast company has created the world's first location-based podcast discovery system. So, Amy, before we actually start talking about me, which just seems so very self-indulgent to say, <laughs> let, let's first start talking about you. Uh, so who are you? Well, um, I'm a Michigander from birth. I moved down here about, well, I don't want to say because I'd say my age, but I went to Mississippi College. My stepmom offered me a scholarship because she's an employee there and uh, moved from Michigan with the agreement I'd be down here one year. Dad said, try it one year. And if you don't want to stay, you can go back and go up to Michigan State. And I said, hot dog. That's what (laughs) I'm about to do, but I'm going to fulfill the commitment. All right. Fair enough. Who are you professionally? I am. Well, my business name is called A Marketing Mind, and I like to get people talking about my clients. Mm. That's kind of my gift. I like to connect people, and um, and that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. It's part of my volunteering, the One Million Cups and the Team Jackson and that sort of thing. I like creating community, and that's what A Marketing Mind does, and primarily through social media. Uh, that, that's awesome. I mean, you are known around town as kind of like the social media guru. Uh, I know awesome. you've been doing some work for Innovate Mississippi, and uh, it's just it's really an honor to uh, to be interviewed by uh, by someone who is such a storyteller. But why don't you tell us how you got into podcasting? What finally made you take the dive into owning your own business as a podcaster, and then eventually as a app producer? I, you know, I think in terms of where things got started, my, my background prior to becoming an entrepreneur was in telecommunications. Uh, I worked for a, uh, a telecommunications company based out of Mississippi called mm-hmm. Seaspire. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started with Seaspire back when it was Cellular South, and I uh, got to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was actually working in in sales during the rebrand and then moved into kind of marketing product de- development right after the rebrand, which was mm-hmm. really interesting, uh, an interesting time to move up in the company. But uh, but yeah, it was, it was a great company to work for. And it really kind of, especially product development uh, in particular, really kind of opened something in myself and, and mm-hmm. made me realize just the uh, the fun of creating products for for consumers. Um, you know, everything I'd been doing before then had been about selling the products and uh, to actually kind of build with the end user in mind was was a really uh, just kind of a fascinating experience for me and very much an education. Seaspire was a great company to work for, but I've always had a love for podcasting. I think uh, back before, back when I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, I remember telling my wife like at some point I want to start a podcast company. She was very supportive, but she didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> and in all fairness, I didn't know a whole lot about podcasting. In fact, I was actually just reflecting that uh, the first podcast I ever created um, was all of two episodes long. It was an intro and then also a, oh yeah, I'm not actually going to do this episode. <laughs> uh, and it was about breakfast restaurants in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, it interesting. Was, it was originally going to be called, uh, I, I don't even know if I should put this out there. It was originally going to be called the Memphis Breakfast Review, I think it was what, what it was called. Okay. Yeah, it literally just had those two episodes and is hopefully eradicated from the internet. That's funny. Mostly it was just me trying to figure out the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I actually ended up shutting it down was because I was about to move to Jackson, Mississippi. So that kind of went to the side. Beyond that, though, I did want to figure out the mechanics of podcasting just to understand it because I really felt it was a powerful medium. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd noticed, I'd been listening to podcasts for years, 
is that there was a unique way to connect with an audience. Like people that I was talking to really felt like, or the people rather that were talking to me really felt like this relationship. There was this friendship that was Mm -hmm. there, Uh, even though I I never met them in person and they didn't know I existed. Right. It it was this really kind of uh, interesting thing. And, you know, as as kind of my my career evolved and and my my uh, education evolved too, I realized what an important part of marketing that is, is creating that sense of trust between you know the the consumer and the uh, and the and the product creator. I I thought, man, this there's something here, but for whatever reason, it's it's just not taking off, and I I don't know why that is. If this is working for me, why isn't working for everybody else? Mm -hmm. Or is it simply that everybody else doesn't realize that this is here? And so that was kind of my, my thought process. It was kind of a mixture of the two. If I want to start a podcast company, I think this is a powerful medium. I don't know why it hasn't taken off. And it just kind of set up a, a nice kind of fertile ground, so to speak, for when the, uh, the opportunity came along for um, you know, me to kind of launch into my own awesome. company, which, uh, which became Pottery back in uh, 2013. And I noticed when I was doing some research, I didn't realize we were both Mississippi College business and marketing. Well, that's right. Yeah. So you're a native. College. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a Mississippian through and through. That's um, awesome. I do get a lot of criticism from time to time from really? uh, Mississippians who don't think that I sound like I'm from Mississippi. Uh, my accent probably is not, you know, as strong. You are who you are. <laughs> you know, it's, it is interesting though. I yeah. mean, I think part of that was I had a, a theater background in, in high school and, oh, yeah, I'm you sure know, that influenced you. Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. And you listen to like broadcasters and kind of you pick up the way that they say things. They want to have kind of this neutral sounding Midwest. voice. Uh, is Midwest? I mean, I know some Midwesterners, and they do not have a <laughs> neutral sounding. I married one. They do not have a, a neutral sounding voice. But there is kind of like this neutral um, sound that I think a lot of broadcasters go for. And so I, th- I I don't know why, but I think I tried to replicate that at, at an early as an you know uh, in my early years. Mm-hmm. But no, I've, I'm I'm definitely a local. I've I've been in Mississippi uh, the majority of my life, and I've been frustrated with that fact. I've I've enjoyed that fact. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great things about Mississippi. Uh, there's a lot of things that that we're working to to make better in Mississippi. And, and you're part of that. Oh, absolutely. You've ri- rise to the challenge, and you've stayed the course. And I I'm guessing I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing you're here to stay for the long term, or at least. Well, let's the interim. I'll, I'll put it this way: there's there's a lot of things that that I want to see change and, and make better in Mississippi, and I'm sure. not somebody who's going to sit back and just complain about it. I'm definitely going to work towards those changes. I can tell. I'm a big believer in Mississippi, and I, I you know when I see people criticizing who've left the state, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you can't criticize. You didn't you didn't stay here. You didn't you didn't you're not working to, to try That's to right. make things better. Make the change. Um, and so I understand the frustration of why uh, even a lot of entrepreneurs leave for um, you know other opportunities or even just from the branding standpoint of not having, you know, our, our state's banner over their over their company. I, I fully get that. But it's one of those things we have to we have to be active. We have to, to stay here in order to, to try to make those changes. You've got a couple podcasts. One of them I'm a large fan of. Let's talk Jackson, the mm. local. Also a big fan of your Satchel app. Let's start with the podcast. What the first podcast was that you started the one that has gained international notoriety for the smoke shop. Then um, we'll talk about Let's Talk Jackson, a couple others, and then flip to Satchel app and what makes it so unique. Sure. Yeah. So it was July of 2013. I just left C Spire, uh, began my quote unquote retirement from that standpoint. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I thought, okay, I, I tried the stay-at-home dad thing for like a, a like a hot minute, and it was like this is not going to work. And I knew that I, I wanted to do something with podcasting at some point, so I started Pottery, and I reached out to a friend or two, and I was like, "Hey, I'd like let me let me produce this podcast for you. I'm just trying to work out the mechanics." But but really, the first podcast that we did professionally was for a uh, pipe and cigar shop here in Jackson, Mississippi, called The Country Squire. 
you know, I went to that shop and, and the manager at the time, and I said, look, you know, people don't shop retail for products anymore. Um, you know, if they're buying products, they're going to shop online. But if you're coming into a mom and pop shop like this, what you're really shopping for is not the product, but the experience. Sure. So what if you were to take that experience and put it in the form of a podcast to give to your uh, customers, your potential customers as kind of a piece of the shop, you know, that's something that kind of they can take with them that beckons them back into the shop, um, you know, make them more brand loyal, make them more sticky and eventually, obviously, buy more products. That was kind of the, the sales pitch that I gave to, to him. And, um, you know, he, he was somewhat skeptical, but we, we worked it out and we kind of formed uh, Country Squire Radio. And in the first within the first 10 episodes, we did exactly that. We kind of created this unique uh, kind of call to action for existing customers. But we also entered into a very niche space. So we were also uh, becoming exposed to or rather we were being exposed to a lot of you know pipe enthusiasts around the world, mm-hmm. um, you know we had a, a huge uh, our, our early audience. A lot of them came from Austin, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, and uh, and then just kind of spattered throughout the country, and then also internationally. Uh, in fact, you know we've we've now grown so that this little mom and pop uh, pipe tobacco shop here in Jackson, Mississippi, you know ships to Indonesia, ships to the UK, ships all over. Wow, um, powerful from, marketing. Yeah, from the customers that discover the show, and and that that's really been a been a fantastic show. It's got corporate sponsorship at this point, and in fact, you know the international thing's interesting. Right now, as we record this podcast, uh, I believe. Uh, in a few weeks, the UK Pipe Show is going to be doing what they call a War of the Roses, uh, which is they're taking two tobaccos, pipe tobaccos from the Country Squire, one Lancaster, one White Rose, the symbol of the House of York. They're having kind of a competition cool. to see which blend they like better, oh, wow. which was inspired and came directly from our podcast. That's so, so cool. It's, it's interesting to see kind of the the reach of that, that type of influence of kind of building those relationships, you know, even beyond kind of uh, what your geographic target audience was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the geographic target audience has always been something that I've been very interested in and, and mm-hmm. fascinated with. You know, Country Squire Radio was originally really set for the local community, even though it definitely expanded out beyond that. Uh, but I do think there is something powerful at creating content for your local community, uh, which kind of led to the eventual creation of uh, you know the podcast that you referenced before, Let's Talk Jackson. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let's, let's move over because I really want to focus on Satchel. Go ahead and tell us about the app. Yeah, let's see. You know, I'd been doing Pottery for a while, and, and as I mentioned, I, I kind of went into the podcast industry to understand why it hasn't quite taken off yet. And you know, I, I really kind of identified the three primary pain points: is revenue, uh, distribution, and discoverability. And that is what eventually led to, to Satchel. Didn't really know what to call it. Wasn't sure at the time. Do I want? Does this need to be like a Pottery app, or do I need to form a new company around it? Uh, which eventually. I did. Um, Satchel was created with the purpose of advancing podcasting as an industry. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. That was kind of our core value. You know, we, we started at kind of an interesting time. Serial was just starting to, to kind of find this crossover audience with people who had never discovered podcasts before. So there was a lot of interest around it. Mm-hmm. And my, my big challenge, though, was I didn't really know how to build an app. I, I had hired companies before, you know, in, in my old life, but that was when I had the the resources of an established sure. company. Yeah. <laughs> Going out to try to hire developers when you don't have any money is a bit of a daunting task. I imagine. <laughs> I got some great advice from Joel Baumgar, mm-hmm. who uh, I, I pitched him uh, a, a pretty pretty relatively rough pitch with uh, with my PowerPoint and absolutely no technology to show for it whatsoever. But he spent about an hour with me, kind of working me through what's really needed at this stage, and that. It was really about putting together that that you know minimum viable product or what would be known as the MVP. Mm-hmm. 
and he encouraged me like look if if you know you, you can go kind of a couple different routes you can kind of scrounge up uh, some money from from friends and family and then go off and, and hire a developer mm-hmm. or you can give away some you know a piece of the equity in your company and bring somebody on board and that's the route that I decided to go with in fact actually one of my listeners of Country Squire Radio who was local uh, I had started to kind of build a little bit of a friendship with at that point uh, but we didn't know each other too terribly well uh, but I took him out to coffee I knew he was a I knew he was a coder and I said, look, this is kind of this thing that I'm working on. Is this something that you could build? I'll give you $1,000 if you can kind of give me just something that works. Mm-hmm. And as we started to have those conversations, I was like, well, let's scrap the $1,000. How about you actually, like, how about we do this together? How about, you know, I give you some of the equity. You'll be a co-founder of this company and we can build this together. So at first it was about the equity. We built out a very, very rough app. We, we made some decisions along the way. We, we wanted to go Android first just because that way we weren't competing with iTunes right out the gate. Sure. And uh, we, we took some flack on that in the industry. Some people were like, well, how could you go Android first when you know most of the people are listening on iTunes? And I was like, well, that's exactly why we're going right. <laughs> Android first is to create a better solution in a space where uh, nobody else is speaking to that, that community. But beyond that, we also, as I mentioned, we, we built this system to be about revenue distribution and discoverability. The revenue piece in particular was built around the idea that listeners could actually donate to podcasts. So a lot of these podcasters, I know from being one, rely upon listener support, uh, be it through various different services, like go go to this Amazon account or go to my PayPal page or mm-hmm. do all this other stuff. And it ends up being a homework assignment. So the idea was, well, let's build into Satchel a way that people can actually just click a button and send money directly to the podcast right in the moment, take out the homework assignment and make it more powerful for, you know, as, as a revenue generator for the podcasters. The thing is, I think about a week or so before we were supposed to really kind of push out the beta, we had all these people sign up. We've been having so many issues with PayPal to make it work that I remember the first transaction that we had to go through, we actually lost money on it. Uh-oh. And I remember being so stressed out. And after we were done meeting about it, and we're trying to figure out exactly what we do and how we you know, rework the math and, and how we need to re- restructure everything. We were walking away from the meeting. And before I left, Briar said, well, hey, first transaction on Satchel. And that statement right there gave me literally a nervous breakdown. No, my goodness. Like I, I was I I went from there and I just kind of broke down a little bit like first transaction and we're losing money and it's not even live yet. And then I just, I just did not know what to do. Um, but we were able to kind of pull it together and, and get, get a fix in that we weren't making as much money as we had kind of uh, essentially hoped to, but we weren't losing money, which was important. And we were able to work the margins uh, later into the life of the con- company to get closer to what we originally kind of set with that. But that was a rough process. Did Innovate assist you in any way Absolutely. along the process? Tell us about that. I think probably around the same time that we were getting close to, I think we, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, the Android version of the application had just gone live in beta. So we, we got all that pushed through. We, we had kind of had some early talks with Innovate Mississippi and, you know, kind of told them about, about what we were doing mm-hmm. and um, got some good questions. You know, they'd had some experience before in working with podcast related companies with especially Keith Jasper, who's been featured on this podcast before. I think there was still a little bit of trying to, you know, basically assess what the viability here is. And I think that, that that's good because we were talking about an emerging industry, you know, trying to educate uh, a public that was not at that time familiar with mm-hmm. with podcasting. Uh, that was a big challenge just overall in terms of pitching a lot of investors is I would go through my entire pitch about how we're going to improve the podcast industry. And, you know, I'd come to the end of the first question I get is like, all right, so what's a podcast? Oh, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, so that was that was rough. That was rough. But fortunately, Innovate was a little bit ahead of the curve in, in terms of most investors. They did a great job of actually hooking us up with advisors uh, at, in the beginning. They hooked us up with Keith, which was great. Um, they encouraged us. You know, a lot of the the contacts that they had were really good in, in terms of kind of giving us advice on how we could kind of get to the next step. Once podcasting trickled into the the culture it's of kind of vogue, yeah, of, yeah. of uh, both Innovate and and kind of beyond, there was definitely a lot of interest in like, all right, well, let's let's make sure that that we're supporting this this Mississippi-based company that's doing something in an industry that's really just at, at the beginning. So they, they've been great in terms of advice. They also were really great in terms of making sure that we had opportunities to get out in front of people and, and educate them on podcasting. Um, with great. a lot of the events that have come through, uh, a lot of the pitch competitions, we've actually won. We came in second place this uh, last past year in, in terms of the pitch competition um, going and being able to pitch to Mississippi investors and entrepreneurs. And, and honestly, anybody I could get in front of and tell them about podcasting as an industry and, and what we're doing for it was great. They also helped us refine the pitch, which was also extremely important. That was such a huge challenge because like I said, trying to explain to people what we're going to do for an industry that doesn't exist. It's almost like saying, look, we're building this amazing boat. It's faster. You know, we're, we've clogged up all the leaks. It's going to you know, be much more comfortable for people to use. It's really built with the sailors in mind. You don't get the value of a boat if you don't understand the what an ocean is. Right. Um, you just think like, okay, this looks like a monstrosity that's just going to sit here and <laughs> not do anything. And so, you know, we really had to kind of switch our tactics to educating about what the industry is and more importantly, how the industry is growing. And that's something that, you know, statistics have, have kind of proved out that, that, you know, podcasting is growing. It is kind of this uh, next stage of, of radio. I would even argue that it's, it's kind of a next stage of both radio and magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at kind of where the evolution of, of both those industries are kind of coming together to create uh, or have come together to kind of create the podcast industry. There is this huge opportunity to really kind of own this space. And um, and yeah, and so Innovate was, was great at kind of helping us refine that pitch and, and putting it out there. Let's talk about how you got the funding and how you've taken what is sort of local and expanded it and got people as listeners. I know it's pretty big now. So, you know, in terms of funding, I had kind of pitched a lot of people um, in, in the area and I was getting very frustrated. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things that put, throw together a failed restaurant and you can get a ton of people to put money behind it and <laughs> lose that money in, in less than a year's time. Uh, you know, try to start a tech startup in, uh, in Mississippi and investors just kind of look at you like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of our first investors, um, you know, we I was actually speaking to him. He was actually introduced to us uh, through Innovate Mississippi and um, was giving us some advice on, on our numbers. Uh, we were having a meeting. He said, you know, hey, I, I, I want to invest in you. I think, I think you're onto something here. And so, um, so we got our first, first couple of investors on board. Um, and we also, were, uh, we also were grant recipients for the Knight Foundation Award, which was a big deal. It was a, a, a nonprofit uh, organization, the Knight Foundation. They also have a VC arm. And uh, we won this grant that was based around, you know, advancing communications and advancing journalism mm-hmm. uh, and specifically our approach to location-based discovery of podcasting, which has really became the differentiator of Satchel. That is a neat part of, yeah. of Satchel. Well, it, it's, fan- it's it's funny because like around that, that time that we were raising money, what really seemed to be of most interest to people is this nuance of discovering podcasts by location. Mm-hmm. You know, as I mentioned before, I've always been a big fan of... Um, you know, locally focused content, you know, originally Country Square Radio was supposed to be that. Let's Talk Jackson is that. Um, And I think there's a huge opportunity for people to create content for the local communities, but it just is not easy to find. Mm -hmm. And so the funny thing is when we were starting out with Satchel, we're kind of prioritizing which features we wanted to go in there. That was one that we thought was going to have to be later because we thought it was going to be 
it, we, we thought it would require kind of a couple of additional steps to be able to, to bake it in. But Briar, my co-founder, actually said, you know, I, I think I can actually get this in for the for the first version of it. And I was like, well, hey, let's do it. And it was kind of more of like a let's just throw a cherry on top. But the cherry it seemed, it, yeah, the cherry <laughs> seemed to be the thing that was was most interesting to everybody. So we won that uh, that grant uh, specifically because of our work in, in location based discovery. And then we were also uh, recipients of the Mississippi Seed Fund as well, wow. uh, which, uh, of course, through Innovate Mississippi, we were able to go and pitch. And, uh, you know, they, they, the great thing about the Mississippi Seed Fund is they really put you through the ringer to make sure that, you know, that you, by the time you get there, that you're able to actually, you know, um, pitch your company. They've been working with you to kind of help you pitch. And it's not a guaranteed deal. I mean, you very much have to get up there and you have to sell. Mm-hmm. Innovate was great about kind of working with us through that process. And also, you know, when we were able to receive it, that was, that was a big chunk of change that kind of helped us grow our approach and help us really kind of test some things with the market that we were creating. Mm-hmm. Nobody had ever done anything in terms of location-based podcasting before. This little cherry ended up really kind of becoming our core differentiator. We had to kind of start thinking about, okay, well, this is what people really want. This is why podcasters around the globe are gravitating towards us. This is why they're registering with us is because of what this core differentiator in terms of uh, local discovery. The problem with that that we ran into is, our business model was based off of more of donations and not discovery. Mm-hmm. So we needed to start testing the market in terms of what can we do with this? How can we actually turn this into a moneymaker for us? A lot of that ended up kind of going around how do we grow out our audience around location-based discovery? Mm. Uh, a, a big piece of that was a campaign we did called Put Your Podcast on the Map. And oh. yeah, it was it was a great a great little marketing campaign. And uh, basically what it did was we took a map of the United States and we uh, put over every single state a podcast from that state. And at that point, we had maybe... I don't know, maybe 150 or so shows registered with us, mm-hmm. but like within a like week or two time, like that grew, like jumped from 100 to 800 really, really quick. Whoa. Yeah. Now we've got over a thousand shows that are registered with us worldwide. Uh, and, you know, we, we actually, we tried to do the same campaign with a European map. It didn't hit the same, it didn't, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't connect in the same way, but, mm-hmm. but that, that, uh, that map in particular, I remember we put that out there and we did a Facebook promotion around it. Uh, and then a week later, we were in L.A. for L.A. PodFest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, uh, you know, Briar's computer up and we just opened up that map and put it out. And as people were walking by, like, I've seen that. I've seen that map. And they would come over and talk to us and get a satchel T-shirt and all that kind of good stuff. Awesome. And so, yeah. So I think that that one of the things that has, you know, in- increased our popularity and really kind of gotten podcasts on board with us has been that local discovery. And it's our challenge to kind of figure out, okay, well, this this is what's resonated with people. You know, how do we pivot our business model around that? And mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are today. So tell me about, like, social media. How have you incorporated social media into your reach to find listeners? and podcasters. Absolutely. So Satchel from the beginning was really built around the podcaster, right? Like it was, you know, every every other kind of platform that was out there was really built for selling advertising to the listener. Mm-hmm. And generally at the same time, when they do that, they're actually, you know, creating problems for the content creators because you're, you're throwing ads on top of the content creators that they don't have control over, nor do they see any revenue from. Um, a lot of podcatchers will actually go and they'll decompress the, the audio so that it's not a very good sound, uh, mm-hmm. which as a content creator, someone who works on trying to make sure you've got the best listening experience possible is so frustrating. I'm sure. So we really built this to be about the podcasters themselves. And so a large part of that was social media outreach, not just messaging to here's how you discover podcasts, but here's how your podcast gets discovered and really kind of speaking directly to those podcasters, because we believe uh, that based on that kind of relationship that I mentioned before in terms of, you know, the the trust that's built up between the listener and the podcaster, Mm -hmm. if we have the trust of the podcasters, we can then get the, the trust of the listeners. 
All of our social media campaigns have really been about building that relationship to the podcasters, proving to them, look, we're on your side. We're trying to build this for you. We want to make sure that you grow. We want to make sure the industry grows. A lot of that has been uh, Twitter interactions, of course, going back and forth. We've done uh, Shalise Hall, who, who's on our team. She actually did some some interviews with various podcasters where we've done kind of a podcaster spotlight uh, to try to you know in- increase awareness of other people's shows. Uh, we used the Facebook video. We've used the Facebook promos. We've tried some stuff on Twitter. It's really interesting. Uh, Twitter ends up being a major engagement space for podcast listeners, um, but less so about podcasters, we found. Um, I, I would not have thought kind that. Kind of surprised. I know. Yeah. But one way or the other. So that that's really been our approach, is really kind of identifying the very specific person or persons that we're trying to talk to. And those are the content creators. So creating social media interactions with those people specifically, I think uh, that's, that's our play. And do you have a vision of integrating any of that into the app so that it's easier to share what you're listening to or anything? Do you have anything that you're planning on doing with the app? That's a that's been a big request. There's there's a lot of challenges in that. Um, we've actually we we've baked in some different versions of uh, sharing in the past, and we've kind of built out some uh, web experiences to kind of help as a uh, as a bridge there. But no, yeah, that's that's absolutely something that we want to do, mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely been one of our biggest requests. Um, you know, we we've been good. I mean, one of the things that we try to do is utilize social media to gather feedback from users as well. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest feedback that we got actually from podcasters was that, you know, they really enjoy the PayPal uh, interaction, but a lot of them use a service called Patreon. And so we actually reached out to Patreon, built up a relationship with them, and were able to create a connection so that podcasters could link their Patreon accounts to be able to donate to their shows through Patreon as opposed to through PayPal. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the, the, it, and, that was very specifically coming directly from the feedback that we've got. So um, we definitely we want to be cognizant of all the feedback that we get to you know increase the value of the the, the application and make sure that it is exactly what the both the listener but uh, you know the podcaster specifically is looking for. Let's say you have a podcaster on on the Satchel app. They don't necessarily have to have that donate button. There's other call to actions that they can include. Tell us about those. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, Patreon is is kind of the big one that we just recently added. They can also they can connect through a donate button to donate directly to the show. But the other thing too is that they've got a, uh, a you know if they want to just send them to their website or something of that nature, you can do that as well. Okay. So. Uh, whatever the podcaster has as their business model, we want to be supportive of. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of podcasts out there, they you know they have their products that they sell, and they'd rather have them just go directly to their website and, and shop their their store. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's exactly what we want. If that's what the podcaster wants, then that's what we want as well. So I'm guessing you probably have more people that want the donate button than the actual link to a website. That's right. Yeah. Buy. Yeah. It, it's about, you know, the vast majority is is both the donate button uh, and, and the Patreon button. Those two are kind of like, you know, neck and neck in terms of most popularity for, for our users. And do you make money from the donate button? Or do you get a percentage or we how do. does that work? Yeah. So so we, we get a we get a small percentage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I mentioned, when we started out, we uh, we lost money <laughs> before actually putting <laughs> through. But we do. We make a very small percentage of that. But the lion's share of all donations go directly to the podcaster. So, Bo, how do people get in touch with Bo York and people at Pottery. Tell us how they can get oh, in sure. touch with you. Absolutely. So yeah, so I've got the the two companies, right? Pottery and Satchel. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, we're in the exact same space. So <laughs> okay. It's um, but uh, we're right here in downtown uh, Jackson. Um, you can reach uh, if you go to Pottery.com. There's a contact button there. Uh, if you want to reach me, uh, Bo at Satchel Player uh, is a great uh, great email to do so. Wrapping this up, Bo, what do you envision Satchel to be? You know, Satchel, we've we've created some really unique 
technology around Satchel and specifically in location-based discovery, uh, even things like geo-locking content, things that have never been done in podcasting before. And so we're kind of at this point right now where education and educating ourselves based on how the the users are, are taking that technology is a big piece of it. I see that in the next couple of years, location-based podcasting and people creating content for their local communities is going to be huge, especially with kind of the smart dashboard and cars coming into play. Um, you know, you look at Amazon Alexa and, and, you know, the smart home, that sort of thing. If you ask Alexa, you know, what's the news, she'll give you kind of the NPR national news. Right. But if you ask her what the local news is, she'll give you the NPR national news. So it's one of these things where that's a huge opportunity there. But that really is about content creators being able to create the content as well as platforms like ours, which also help get get that out. So I definitely see Satchel evolving in along uh, with that with the industry in that way. And a large part of it is that we're we're dealing in a space that has never been dealt with before, which I think is extremely exciting. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see where the industry goes. But um, my my goal would be for Satchel not just to see where it goes, but to also lead the charge. Thanks for listening to the show. For more origin stories of Mississippi-based innovators, be sure to subscribe to the show at originsofinnovation.com. Our show is produced by Pottery Studios and made possible by Innovate Mississippi. I'm Bo York, and you've been listening to Origins of Innovation. Origins of Innovation.